project to rescue Earth from the dying sun. A galaxy migration that rebuilds the future of mankind. The kind of narratives guaranteed to delight science fiction lovers. And over the past few weeks, since the beginning of 2023, just such an interstellar adventure has been realized once again as the latest Chinese sci-fi blockbuster, The Wandering Earth 2, soon took the top spot in cinemas all over China. It even went on and exceeded box office expectations in countries across the globe, including the US, the UK and Canada. Boasting epic visuals and high-quality production, The Wandering Earth 2, just as its prequel released in 2019, set a new benchmark for Chinese sci-fi movies, not only in terms of scale and spectacle, but also the depth of thinking explored in the narratives. And as the film was drawing a huge number of viewers into cinemas, down in a small town in North China's Shanxi province, one might have spotted an ordinary-looking middle-aged man in a pair of black-rimmed glasses, unassumingly joining the excited crowds at a local cinema, shopping at a market, and getting ready to cook for his family after the movie was over. He could literally be just another face in the crowd. But it was just such an ordinary, if not unnoticeable figure that created one of the most astounding science fiction series in contemporary China. It is a dream of every author to have his book turned into a film or TV work. For science fiction, the power of images is much greater than that of words. This is Chinese science fiction writer Liu Cixin, who won the Hugo Award for Best Novel in 2015, making him the first Asian writer to have won the award. He is also the author of The Wandering Earth novella, where the movie scripts originated from. But among all of his works, Liu Cixin is best known for his trilogy, The Three-Body Problem, that has been hailed as a landmark in Chinese science fiction. It has been widely translated into over 20 different languages, inspiring a whole new generation of science fiction writers and fans all around the world. Earlier, in January 2023, The Three-Body Problem was adapted into a popular TV series attracting more than 4 million viewers on YouTube and on other overseas platforms. For Liu Cixin, it has been a great encouragement to see his work being put on the screen for more people, a sci-fi fan or not, to savor and enjoy, or even criticize. Having watched The Wandering Earth 2 twice himself, Liu gave the movie top marks and deemed it as an unexpected success. After watching The Wandering Earth 2, my first impression was that it doesn't seem like a movie made by the Chinese. To me, it has brought the Chinese science fiction movie much closer to its international equals. This is really happening and is noticeable, especially among us who engage in the sci-fi content-creating field. 
Four years ago, The Wandering Earth booked nearly 4.7 billion in box office revenue during the Spring Festival season of 2019. It was widely considered to have started a new voyage for Chinese science fiction movies. Nowadays, people have witnessed the Chinese sci-fi industry upgrading from an underrepresented genre of literature to mass entertainment, with the market full of vitality to welcome more works of its kind to come. And in order to make that happen, China has released a series of policies in 2020 to support the development of sci-fi movies, including building a pool of science consultants for movie making. Both The Wandering Earth 2 and the Three-Body Problem TV series had teams of science consultants participating during their production, and as the author of the original books and at the same time a viewer of the film and television works, Liu Shin gave credit to the film creative team by sharing the encouragement he got from what he saw. The TV series of The Three-Body Problem pins its story faithful to my original work, and the characters are also a good match with those I wrote in the book. But The Wandering Earth 2 is different. It barely has anything to do with my book, but rather a completely new and original creation from the film creative team, which is very encouraging. With the grand visual effects as icing on the cake, Liu's stories were retold in a new form with Chinese sentiments and values shared throughout the narration. In the meantime, major Chinese science technology enterprises also gave a thumbs up to the scenes in the movie where the characters conducted scientific research and explored outer space. Some even posted on social media and volunteered to provide cables, chemical raw materials, and aerospace technologies to help make the fictional high-tech dream more realistic. With the fast development of China's aerospace science, however, many believe that it won't be too long before scenes in sci-fi movies and fiction will be turned into reality. Apart from noticing the progress made, Liu also expressed that there's still a gap to fill before Chinese sci-fi movies can make themselves stand out in the global market. One big issue, considers Liu, remains to be the lack of specialists in visual design and screenwriters in the related fields. In the past, it was said that the Chinese sci-fi movie making was keen on adaptations, and there really wasn't much we could do about that, since our sci-fi creativity and originality was relatively weak. But The Wandering Earth 2 has reshaped my opinion. It reminded me how capable we are now of creating homemade original sci-fi movies of this kind. As a visionary writer who excels at taking his readers on a journey through the vastness of space, the complexity of time, and the depths of human consciousness, Liu Shin would sometimes draw the scenery out of his mind as he composes. He notes that some of his creative ideas were nicely restored in The Wandering Earth too. In my opinion, a truly well-made sci-fi movie should have a sense of historical weight contained within it. It definitely should not look like a posh toy that has just been unpacked and looks all shiny and brand new. 
If you take a closer look at the movie's graphical design, there should be the metallic roughness and industrial vicissitudes, as if reflecting the giant and heavy turning of gears that pushes forward our history. Over the years, Liu Cixin has been continuously creating literary works, demonstrating his profound knowledge and boundless imagination in areas like space nanotechnology, quantum computer and astrophysics. But according to him, what he's writing is merely an outcome of standing on the shoulders of giants. Influenced by Western sci-fi examples, contemporary Chinese science fiction is now keeping up closely with international trends. But according to Liu, the earliest domestic sci-fi creations were way ahead of their time. Chinese science fiction first appeared in late Qing Dynasty. For more than a century, countless people have been working hard to cultivate the land of Chinese sci-fi literature. And I'm just someone who steps on the pyramid built brick by brick by all those that were before me. The foundation is concretely laid together by generations of writers. And through his writing, Liu Cixin has explored various themes such as the search for meaning in a universe devoid of human purpose, the dangers of technological progress and the ultimate fate of humanity. The structure of the story could be so complex that it would inspire people to wonder about the writer's identity. One thing that could be misleading is that science fiction would involve knowledge of various fields, and the characters appear in it might as well be scientists or world leaders. With these legendary figures depicted in the book, the readers might get the impression that the sci-fi writer is also a scientist or scholar of sorts who knows what it's like to be one. But actually, that is not true. He went on to explain that as a fiction writer, it is crucial to gain inspiration from daily observations on many different aspects of the world. We only refer to the books and movies that interest us, and sometimes the plot construction would also borrow from what we've seen on the news, like the current technological development trend or new breakthroughs within the scientific field. In fact, science fiction books account for only a part of my reading. These days, I read more about other genres, such as history, philosophy and military affairs. From the basics of sciences like physics and astronomy, to in-depth sociology and psychology studies, Liu manages to paint a portrait of a futuristic world that is never too remote from reality. But if one is to look underneath all of Liu Cixin's high-tech ideas and wild fantasies, there he is, a teenage Chinese boy who would gaze at the starry sky in the middle of the night, trying to look beyond the mystery of the universe. Referring to himself as the first-generation sci-fi fan in modern China, he revealed that the earliest sci-fi inspiration came to him when he encountered a novel named 2001, A Space Odyssey, by British science fiction writer Arthur C. Clarke. 
It was developed concurrently with Stanley Kubrick's epic film under the same name and was published after the release of the film in 1968. The story explores technological advancement, its promise and its danger. And to Liu Shin, for the very first time, the relationship between human beings and the universe was revealed to him with a sense of awe. Late one night, after he finished 2001, A Space Odyssey, Leo looked up at the starry sky and felt that the universe he was gazing upon was completely different from his previous understanding of it. It was the year of 1979, and that was also when he began to write his own stories about space exploration at the age of 16. I started writing science fiction stories when I was in middle school. I even sent out two manuscripts and tried to have them published, but both got rejected. Then the college entrance examination kept me really busy, so I paused my writing until I got into college. While in college, I tried several more times to send my work for publication, and once again it was all in vain, so I stopped. In 1985, Liu Shixin graduated with a hydropower engineering major and became a computer programmer at a local power plant station in his hometown. He married a colleague he met at work, and they had a lovely daughter in the year of 1994. Life peacefully went on, and Liu Shixin was satisfied with the stability and sufficiency provided by the job. But apart from the stability gifted to him during that phase of his life, Liu never ceased his pursuit of his sci-fi dream. Apart from working, he would still spend hours each day to read about all kinds of things, from scientific breakthroughs to societal development, all dedicated to his original drive of creating sci-fi-related works. It feels to him that this longing for writing is like a door that's always been there, waiting for him to push open. I have a strong sense of belonging to science fiction. To me, it's like some sort of a substance in my life. But I wouldn't say that I am obsessed with it, or even go down to that extreme side and call it the only thing that matters in my life. No, after all, I still have a job to do and the family to support. While he is writing, Liu Shixin tries to construct a fictional world. But as a writer who still lives in the world today, he deliberately maintains his sense of realism. I write on the premise that my work will be published. I don't just keep on writing and writing without a purpose, like some authors who are really obsessed with this genre. My mindset for constructing my sci-fi stories is totally different from that of my real life and work. There are different ways of thinking. I've always tried to avoid mixing these different mindsets together. Otherwise, the outcome would be catastrophic. And not only did he separate writing and personal life clearly, as he said he would, Liu Shixin has been keeping a relatively low profile even when his books became major hits in the Chinese sci-fi field. Within the past decade, since the three-body problem became a roaring success, some even went further and called it the pinnacle of Chinese science fiction. Book selling was booming, while interviews and reports aimed at decoding Liu Shixin and his books became frequent.
While much attention was paid to both the author and his work, Leo himself, standing right underneath the spotlight, remained cautious, if not humble when commenting about his achievement. The real quality of a literary work does not depend on the evaluation of its critics, nor that of its readers. It is evaluated by time. There are more books in the history of science fiction that caused a bigger stir than this one, but have been long forgotten by now. The three-body problem has only been popular in recent times. It hasn't yet passed the test of time. And every sci-fi fiction story, once it's been through the cruel screening of time, is more likely to become outdated compared with mainstream literature, because scientific ideas are constantly being overhauled and is always moving forward. So what is fascinating in Jules Verne's time may seem tedious to us now, so we'll just have to wait for time to prove it. These days, Liu Sushin refuses interviews and media exposure as much as possible and carries on with his slow-paced lifestyle, which hasn't really changed much after decades. He still maintains the habit of reading and going for a jog every day, and in that same old town in Shanxi province, you would probably run into him shopping for groceries in the market, getting ready to cook for his family. Liu says he has managed to maintain an ideally peaceful and uneventful life. I go out and buy groceries every day and have never met anyone who would come up to interrupt me. I think the most ideal state of life for writers should be like this. What they want to express is all said in the books, while the writers themselves should remain behind the scenes. It is good that one's work is accepted and appreciated. But personally, having the writers stand out on the stage too isn't really necessary. And the truth is, science fiction writers are ordinary people. We are not different from anyone of you. And since you love my stories, it means that I'm a common, normal people just like you. If I were Superman, would you understand what I write? The fact that my work resonates with readers already proves that I am just an ordinary man. Ordinary man though he may be, Liu Sushin does not intend to cease his writing in the face of his current success. As a speculative dreamer and a faithful sci-fi fan himself, Leo looks forward to bringing better works for his readers. I've been continuously writing, but it's getting slow and rather difficult these days. And it's gonna take a while. To be honest, the readers' expectations for science fiction are getting higher and higher these days, compared to when I wrote The Three-Body Problem many years ago. So I'm afraid, even if I complete a new book, it may not meet the reader's satisfaction. But still, as an author, I will keep on writing. With that, we conclude this episode of Footprints. Thanks for listening. I'm Bob Jones. 
If you're interested in hearing more about the lives of ordinary but incredible people in China, follow us on Apple Podcasts. Just key in footprints and you can find more stories anytime, anywhere. We'll see you next time. Bye for now.